Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. A guy asked me on Twitter last night, what's your five, or or no, he said, what's the best pizza you've ever had? So I, I listed five off. I'd like to hear your five. Al Fornos. I had that number one. Oh, you have my notepad. It's okay. Sorry, here. No, it's okay. Keep it. You need it. Your notes are on there. Oh, I mean, um, uh, Al Fornos. Then there's... Uh, what is the, the, the one in New York? Is it Joe's? Joe's is one. I mean, there's, <laughs> what's the one in New York? There's a lot. I know, it's but it's the one up. that's... Nope. No, but it's, I think it's Joe's. Joe's, okay. um, Joe's would be my all-time favorite. Maybe it's no, nostalgia. Joe's not your favorite. No, it's not my all-time favorite, but I would say like for New York, it's my yep. all-time favorite there. Um, then I would say... Uh, why am I blanking out? Pizzeria Bianco. Thanks, man. There's three. Frank Peppies. Four. I had that too. I had all yours but Joe's. Number five. Hmm. I'm forgetting one and I'm going to get, like, if I hear you say it, then I'm going to be like, oh, I want that one. I'm forgetting one. I can't. Why don't you tell me your Blue Malnati? No. I like their frozen pizzas. Pizzeria Regina. How did I not come up with that? You see what I mean? That's bozo of me. Pizzeria well, Regina. Welcome, everybody. Glad that you're joining us. I have uh, my wife on with me today because I felt like spending a little time with her. And really, the main reason is I saw your podcast, uh, Five Keys to Success. And I know you're going to think I'm mocking you, but I'm not. I would like to be successful. And I was curious what the five things were, and I didn't have time to listen to it. Because I just saw it late last night. I was trying to like go based ma- based off memory because I've been recording these podcasts left and right. So um, let's hear it. I mean, don't rattle. Like, teach me five keys to success. Five keys to success. Yeah, not them. Teach me. Okay. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Again, not them. Guys, I can't help but look in that direction. But it's been a while. I haven't been on here on this broadcast in like a year. It's like, I know. Where's my, my notes? Okay, the first one that if I'm going based on memory. What scripture are you going off of? <clears throat> uh, the, the, the Lord judges the heart, but the man looks on the outside. I don't have, I don't, I, I left my, my notepad in my office. Before, before you go into it, what would you say to an idiot who, who would say like, uh, this lady... Her name's Adala Shuttlesworth. She teaches on a podcast, and she says that the Bible will make you more successful. But we know that many, many of the Christians suffered and were beaten. And so it's, it's wrong to tell people that if they follow the Bible, it'll make them more successful. Your response. How do you defend saying that the Word of God helps you be more successful? The Word of God helps you to be more successful is because uh, the Word of God is the truth that you need that brings the light to the darkness in every area of your life. 
So when I, when, I, when I break it down for these five things that we're talking about success today, I'm taking scripture and I'm bringing the application to my life. I don't compartmentalize the word of God to be just something um, that is, is contained within itself. The word of God is actually the truth that you need. And the word of God says, it's the truth that you know that's gonna set you free. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean like uh, when it comes to faith in God and, and things of the Bible, it's not just you making it to heaven. It's about you living your life in abundance. And that means financially, that means mentally, that means within your family, that means in your, in your business, in your network, in your town, in your country, in, in this world. And so to say that the word of God is, is just, oh, what, what did you say? Like just for, like doesn't produce success. Yeah. because I, I think it's the most the moronic people. thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> To be quite honest, how would you answer that? Um, and the, you know, there are a lot of people that believe like that. I was listening to that one guy yesterday that was criticizing Pastor Dean Shropshire, and I might do a whole broadcast. I might just roast that guy for an hour. But I've been around okay. those people. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of full gospel people that believe like that. A lot of people in the assemblies of God believe like that. That it's wrong to tell people that the Bible is going to make you successful in life. That's why. Well, that's why those kind of Christians hate someone like Joel Osteen, because he tells you that it's going to make you live your best life. Now, tell that to Paul, who was being beaten. But without getting into Paul, which, which isn't difficult to get into, because Paul, first of all, yeah, nobody that teaches that, you're, that the Bible produces success is saying that it produces success without challenges. What, there's challenges, but, but God... What did Paul say about his own challenges? He said in 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 4, when he was summing up, you know, the last book Paul wrote was 2 Timothy. And he said to Timothy, you know how fiercely I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord delivered me out of it all. Oh, yeah. And all, all who follow Jesus will, will face persecution, but the same God that delivered me will, will deliver you. Yeah. But the main scripture when it comes to success for me is Joshua, Joshua 1. 1 what did you say? Joshua 1, 8. Yeah, well, the whole scripture, Joshua 1, 2 through 9. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given to you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. So people can try, but they can't do it successfully. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one to get around, if you think the Bible was written to help us uh, have a crappy life. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. I don't know how the New Living Translation dances around let this book of the law never depart from your mouth. 
because it doesn't just say meditate on it, it says to speak it. Right. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. So if you do that, you will prosper and succeed in everything you do. And then I also like, which was one of my dad's scriptures when I was growing up that he kind of instilled in me, is I think it's 1 Timothy 4.8. Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding value in the life that now is and in the life to come. So if somebody sells you the Bible as a book that that helps you get to heaven only, they're they're leaving out a lot because Paul said it brings profitability to life in the life that now is and the life that is to come. And then, you know, so then once I started interpreting the Bible that way, then obviously it's brought increase, you know, like we've seen. Sure. You, you start, when you're playing Pat Robertson's biography, it's pretty amazing to see how low he started, but then... You know, everything, everything, the word of God brings increase mm-hmm. and success mm-hmm. and prosperity to every area of life, marriage, child raising, business, personal finance. If you follow those instructions, you succeed. So I wanted to know the five things that you broke down. Well, also with that, I'll, I'll like piggyback off of that is Proverbs sixteen three that says, roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. So like that, that's, he's talking about the plans that you have for this, for your life. So, so, you know, the word of God will affect those things and God gets behind your plan and the work. He will bless the work of your hand. You know, all of these things is not just, you know, kept to, to your, you know, time at church. This should trickle into everything that you do. And in fact, it should be what you turn to as like the powerhouse of your success. Because obviously there's promises. There's, uh, I won't say promises, but like contingencies, right? If you're sure to do this, if, if you give me your plans, you know, if you speak to God about the things concerning your life and those things that you want to see develop and flourish, then I will do my part and see that they succeed. I like that. And so like we, we need to not get in a, a, in a zone where it's like churches on Sunday and then we just say, amen, hallelujah. And then we just go back to our reg- like regularly scheduled program. And then, you know, we never you take a it into account. fire on the table? I do. I was... <clears throat> I, didn't, I just noticed that. I just, I need, a cl- I need this clip to come on here. So I was YouTubing it. But I don't know how to take this little thing out because this doesn't go in it. Okay. So anyway. And you know, I want to say this if I didn't mean it. And you, you don't ever want to objectify a co-host, but your nails look very nice, and you look very nice. Thank you, I appreciate it. Continue. So, um, uh, so it's just these are the five things that I thought was, especially in in the Christian realm, uh, but really it could like affect any any realm. The first one is to not look schlubby. Oh yeah, that was yeah. one of the keys. Your 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 appearance matters. So that was the that was why you started with the scripture. That's where I started the scripture because man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Right. So everybody, which, which usually people take it the other way that like because God looks at your heart, your outward appearance doesn't facts. matter. Facts. But since you're since the people that you're affecting in business or ministry judge you from the outside, the outside's important. Right. Explain. So that's a, that's a key element to success in business. So God has let you in that I'm not going to judge on the appearance. 
like, uh, you know, the, the prophet did trying to choose like the king of Israel or he's got everything lined up. He doesn't do that. But the fact is the, the insight there, the wisdom is that men do, men do judge you based on what you look like. And so if you're going around in gym shorts, you know, uh, uh, crusty socks with holes and slippers, you know, to go to the DMV to like anywhere. And, and you think that that's going to be something that's appropriate. Like you've got another thing coming and like not, you can't, you can't do that. And not just your personal appearance, but how the things that represent your biz, your business or your ministry appear. Sure. I, I go based on appearance. I'm not God. So I'm not, I'm not seeing a, a man's heart intention or, or uh, you know, God hasn't revealed somebody's like heart and their spirit. But I can judge by what I see. I see the spirit of fear on somebody. I can see it like they're wearing like a cone hat, you know? For sure. I, I see an unclean spirit. Oh, yeah. When, when people look and, and you can see it and it, it might look different. It might look like, you know, you just look like crusty. You know, like beard unkept, you smell, you, you know, there's, there's, it just looks like you are un, not clean. Like it looks like you smell like pee. And when, so, when someone has an unclean spirit, it manifests in their appearance. Of course. I was even looking at an old photo of Jeffrey Epstein. Obviously they're all old, old photos now, but he was, you know, he's a billionaire walking the streets of New York, you know, in like sweatpants. And like a like, he just looked. Who's the other one? The unclean. The other guy that is in jail because his wiener's green. Do you remember anybody? Go Quite ahead. literally, he's got like gangrene. That's how they they knew that he was like like raping women because they could like testify of like Harvey Harvey. Oh, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looked, like he looks as unclean as they. He, I he, wouldn't go around. He him. would be like the textbook picture of somebody that has an unclean spirit because even you know every every picture of him he's in a tuxedo at a thing but he looks like filthy. Filthy. So that. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. Um, but you have to go. Ba- and and so like we go based on on appearance. Now you don't have to. You don't have to have like holes in your socks and and you know a a a grease stained t-shirt you know you could actually be like the people in in dc you could see they they even have like a a clean an unclean spirit and they have a suit they have a tie albeit it's like you know no and people christians are extremely blind to that kind of stuff Christians can't tell that that there's a guy in the choir that's a that's a homosexual. Christians can't tell that somebody, you know, I can promise you when our church starts. I'll, you know, not that we're doing a teaching on people who have unclean spirits, but right. people who can't sit down in a church service that always have to be in the lobby and get up and just walk around or they find that you know, a lot of a lot of guys that have unclean spirits, they find a way to like help out so that they never actually have to like participate in the service. That's good. So they'll be like um, in charge of parking mm. or, or, or something where they're always walking around. So I'll tell you, for me, I'll have a rotation of people who serve. And I watch people because when the anointing hits a service, when people leave or scatter, you know, many of us that are watching have brought people to church and when the anointing hit, they, are, they need to go outside and have a smoke. 
So, like, there's a problem if the anointing troubles somebody. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about, I'm not, obviously, sinners need to come in and get saved. But I'm, what's dangerous are wolves in sheep's clothing that come in like a sheep, but they're not. They're not born again, and they, they go to, and they won't get born again. And they're, they're just like cruising around the lobby. I'll tell you, I'll have people on lookout for that. You know, some guy that comes by himself that looks always like milling around the children's department. Uh, hell no. You don't wait till there's, there's no use for the Lord to show you anything if you're going to wait until the thing happens to do something about it. You know, you always hear that. So then something happens and someone's like, that guy always did seem weird to me. Well, do something about right, it. Right, you should have done something about it. That's right. So, so the appearance matters because it reflects your inside. Sure. And, and, you know, we focused a lot on the negative, on the positive side. What's on the inside comes out. So if you carry a spirit of excellence, you look excellent. You know, Kenneth Copeland's heading up on 90. He looks excellent. Look Joel Osteen looks excellent. And that's an interesting thing to me, too, is as much as they try to sell you in, in, in so many leadership and Christian leadership things, about how, like, to reach this generation, you basically need to look like it's laundry day. Um, look at the top people on television. Joel Osteen, mm -hmm. Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah. They look like princes <clears throat> dressed to the nines. And then you, you could Jesse Duplantis always looks great. Kathy Duplantis always looks great. Yeah. So I've noticed, too, you know, I've been traveling 21 years now. Casual casual dress code, casual arrival time, casual giving, give boxes are at the back, you can give on your way out. There's, there is something about, I mean, you think of how America was in the 50s when everybody was suit and tie. Mm. And, and we were the breadbasket of the world. You know, we produced everything, we had sharp corporations. And now, now it's just bum central every, everywhere you go. Um, my, grand, my, my grandfather's father, my great-grandfather, would wear a dress shirt, dress pants, and shine Johnson & Murphy dress shoes to the coal mine. And then when he finished working at, you know, change into his suit down there, then when he finished working at the coal mine, would change back, would shower and change back into that outfit to come home so that his family never had to see him like with smut all on him. Amazing. There was just, it was different. You know, pe people were like excellent. You look at, <laughs> hey, uh, who's in the back today? Brennan. I think Jay's back there too. Pull up a photo of like a baseball game from 1910 or 1919. Look, look at what people are wearing to like baseball games. Mm. Pe I don't know. I just wonder sometimes like what people are saving their good clothes for. It's like you don't wear it to church. You don't even, they don't even dress up for a wedding. Or, or to meet the president. Right. Some people meeting the president, it's like, what are you saving your nice clothes for? And it has nothing to do with poverty. Right. It's not like, well, some people don't have nice clothes. The people that were in the pictures meeting the president that are ministers, they have nice clothes. Yeah. So what are they, what, you know, <laughs> you're going to the White House for crying out loud. Like, if you're not going to dress up for that. And that's it, what I it, said. It's, it's like, a, it's a bum spirit. In that podcast, I said, it doesn't take much for laundry detergent. Mm -mm. You know, but, but like that poverty spirit, it takes a hold of, of your appearance. It's a dream killer. And so all you need, do you know what it 
does to your psyche to just have like a fresh, like clean laundered shirt and a nice pair of pants, that doesn't take much money. I don't care if you got the pants at Walmart. I shop at Walmart. No, you- I'm not too good for Walmart. That the, the Where I get it makes no difference. It's how I carry myself that's going to make the difference. Bishop David Oedipo said, it's not your clothes that make you look poor. It's your care for your clothes that make you look poor. And that's the mindset. Well, you look at like when you guys were growing up, your family didn't have much money back then. Your mom had a clean house, a clean house, and everybody clean. And everybody who stepped foot in that house was like, "I wasn't expecting this. Right? This is beautiful. This is so clean. You could eat off the floor. You could still eat off the floor." Because excellence is a spirit. Yes. There there it is. (laughs) There's a baseball game. Whatever year that was. That's unbelievable. And those weren't all. Those weren't people with money. Mm-mm. Just class. So it, it 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 is a mentality. I'll tell you one, one last thing on that point. The gem find in the picture, guys. I don't know if you've seen that book that's in the bookcase in the living room, Messengers. That's got the bird on it. Mm-hmm. They did a study where they had two groups of people go to raise money for um, charity for poor children. And the one group did it in flip-flops and jeans and T-shirts, which you would think, the way, especially the way your ministers are taught, that that would like, make people give. because oh. And then if you dress nice, <laughs> people would be like, well, where's this money actually going? But they had the one group did it in uh, jeans, T-shirt, and flip-flops, and the other group, purposely for the study, were button-up polo shirts with a visible high-end brand name, like Hugo Boss or Armani. And that group received way more donations than, than the other group. Um, Dr. Mike Murdoch tells that story that when he started getting royalty checks from singing, um, he was going to buy a Cadillac. And a minister pulled him aside and said, Mike, if you buy a Cadillac, no one's going to give in your offerings because you, lo- you look like you don't need any money. And he said he just did it anyway. And that was, that was when businessmen started to come up to him and give him large checks. Because he said, it's a, it, that's when he realized the way, the way you're taught about money in church, that if you're poor and helpless, people give you money. Well, they will. They'll give you, like, help you out money. Mm. But if you look like you can handle money, yeah. it, actually, it actually attracts people um, to give. So that's a good first point, appearance. Yeah. You know, that was one of mine in the book I'm just doing. That was one of the whole laws was that. Good. All that's right, let's go. Number two. <laughs> Developing your gift is my second. So like there's an inclination for you to do something. And a lot of people have an inclination to do multiple things. But if not one of those things is like really developed and used in a skillful way, it's not going to really bring you any kind of success. Like there, you might be inclined to singing, you might be inclined to playing the piano, but honing in and developing that gift in order to bring you before great men. And that obviously goes, coincides with Proverbs eighteen sixteen that says, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. I hate that version. What, a man's what gift, version is that? That's the NIV. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. That's a great scripture. So <clears throat> when, we, when we take a look at that, it means like there has to be something on the inside of you it's a gift. It's part of your DNA, something that comes like really easy for you. See, the, the thing is, people get so frustrated because they're not doing what they've been called to do, what's wired in their DNA. I, I know of one person who uh, is trying to be a minister 
and can't get it off the ground because she's not called to do a ministry. Name names. No, she's called to be doing something in like the real estate. That was her gifting. She made multiple millions of dollars in that thing, but now she wants to start doing this and it's not working out for her. So frustration settles in. First letter of the name. No. no. So, <laughs> you wouldn't know who she was. Uh, so anyway, so, but, but it's like people want to do what's difficult. Eh? Like they want to just kind of be like, oh, I want a challenge. And that's not necessarily a tip to success. The, the, what you should be doing is going based on what you, you know is easy. So it might be you're an electrician that works out for you. That comes easy to you. You're a baker. You're a mechanic. You're a teacher. You're, whatever it is, th- those are the things that come easy to you that have opened up doors for you. Um, that, you know, obviously uh, <laughs> developing those gifts. Honing in on what that is. Because if you try to do something that you're not called to do, you are going to be frustrated. I'm going to tell you something, something to add on to that point <laughs> that I've been giving thought to lately. And I, I think I included it in, in the, the book I just finished. But it, it's very hard to express. But what I mean is, okay, like you, like you're called into the ministry. So you can do the broad thing that you're called into, but you have to find your fine-tuned way of doing it that brings out your gifts. Yes. Because think of this. What if I was like a normal ministry husband and I, I wanted you to just like play the piano and sing and then preach, but then I was uncomfortable with you doing like a podcast with a gun laying on the table and I told you to like tone it down with your like swinging your arms and stuff. Sure. So what I mean is this: like, Artie Lang <laughs> is a stand-up comedian, right? But he's not a top stand-up comedian. He's a good. I'm not saying he's a bad one. Right. He does well at stand-up comedy. But the thing that made him successful was second chair on the Howard Stern show. So he wasn't. He has a comedy gift, <clears throat> right? but it wasn't best served doing stand-up. That's good. It was best served on radio, mm. and then even now on podcasts and all that. Joe Rogan is not a top-level stand-up comedian. He's a good one. But then when he got kicked out of the comedy cellar and uh, started that podcast, do you know about that? No. I thought it was a pretty powerful story because when, when he confronted... Carlos Mencia on stage yes, about yes. stealing material. I, I Carlos Mencia was very popular then. So they didn't, it didn't get Carlos Mencia in trouble. They banned Joe Rogan from the comedy, uh, comedy store, sorry, in LA. And then a bunch of the comedy clubs banned him too. So because he couldn't go a bunch of places, he started his podcast. Wow. And you think if, he, if that never happened, he'd be, you know, a guy that was the host on Fear Factor. And uh, was on news radio and then does stand up and is pretty good. But then the podcast, he's like the most listened to person in the world, maybe. So that was his gift. No one would have known it, that he had like a great conversational gift and was likable. So it's not enough just to know that you're called into ministry. Me with Check the News. Yeah. You know, until that came out. If you knew me, you knew I could make you laugh and stuff. Right. But then, but there, there was no outlet for that. Mm. And, and then that, that really added a dimension, though. You with the podcast and a bunch of the stuff you do mm. that's all like out, 
I don't, it doesn't even have to do with being out of the box. You got to find like, it's not enough to know you can sing. And then especially if you have a talent stack, like you can preach and That's you're it. funny or yeah. like Joe Rogan, you can do stand up and you're funny and you're affable and you're good at conversation. You have to find a thing that brings out all your gifts into one thing, not just one of them. Yeah. If you're going to be fully successful. That's good, yeah. So not just developing your gift, finding a platform that brings out what you offer. Because I feel like a lot of people are trying to cram, especially like, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking to a lot of people that have like a hope of a future in stand-up comedy. But there are a lot of people in here that feel some type of calling into ministry or whatever. But they're trying to jam it into a thing that doesn't work for it. Right. They started a podcast, but they're not, and I have nobody in mind saying this. I'm not even looking at the comments. They um they started a podcast, but that that's not really what's going to bring out their gifts. Right. So you got to find even if it's something you innovate cuz like at the time Joe Rogan starting a podcast, hardly anyone podcasts weren't even like a thing. Yeah. So you you've got to find something that showcases all of the gifts God gave you, the main the main ones that mm. that make you unique. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. And I think that really brings <clears throat> success. Because if I just, what would have happened if I just kept preaching and there was no this or never did check the news? We would have stayed at a certain level. And then now all those things become intake, intake valves to, to the ministry where people are like, oh, I didn't know you were a preacher, but I like watching check the news. Then I, then I started coming to church and I like your preaching. That kind of thing. Caitlin says, what if you have a calling or a talent, but you don't, find it fulfilling um it's okay then you might have a talent but you don't have a calling yeah because if god if god gives you a calling that's good it's like i was talking to um pastor rodney yesterday and i said that you know like when you would go on vacation for three weeks the third week you would be tweeting like 70 times a day and doing like two lives a day because you have a calling to preach yeah. so you, you can't just be quiet for three weeks no it's not possible week, like, what what's biden doing you know right. so that's a calling a calling drive it's like me if i had 120 million dollars in the bank today i like the idea of to have saying i had a nice run and going up into rural Arizona and building a mansion with a pool and some type of anti-bee device <laughs> and just disappearing. But I could never do it. No. Because even when we go on vacation, you give you me... You die. You die early. You give me like a week and I, I've got to speak. I start, yeah. I start doing no, like it's, podcasts it's, it's or, in you. or whatever. Yep. I have to do something. So you may have a talent because Adalas is in that... I might have answered that question differently if I didn't know Adalas. Adalas has a great voice. And I'm not saying that because I'm her husband. As you know from watching me, I, I don't dish out compliments freely to anybody. But she has a great singing voice. <laughs> but she has no desire to sing. So she has a talent but no calling in, the, in that area. But then she does have a calling to preach. And she can't not preach. I mean, she's been doing podcasts from another office because I, I'm, in, I'm in here all the time. And I, I was just going to take a break and I've got other things to you catch can. up on. And I can't. I feel... Like, um, a calling unaccomplished, I feel like there's an unresolved note in a, my life. A calling if do, I'm not a calling doesn't feel like work. It doesn't. It's, it brings joy to your life. 
To me, I feel fulfilled doing even if it, even if it's a ten minute podcast just to get it out and and like encourage or help one individual. To me, that's what I live for. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it wasn't like always work. like that. No, it wasn't always like that. I was scared, you know, to to talk in front of people or whatever. But I didn't really hone in. Like I, I'm sure there was like multiple like gifts, but I never honed in on it. And until I dedicated that year and a half to really like knowing the word, but not only knowing it, (laughs) like understanding and applying it to my life, that's when everything turned around. So, so this developing the gift is, is vital, uh, for you finding that call. You know what I mean? Like it's, you gotta be the best of the best. And I feel like it's a cop-out for a lot of Christians to just be like, oh, I'm called to do that. But you don't, you're not like a, a, a man of your trade. You know, you don't- Yeah, you do okay. You do all right. It's like you meet people on the road. Like, I play the bass a little, and I play drums some, and I can, I can play guitar. I do a little keyboard. I sing a little. It's like, pick something and get good at it. That's what I'm saying. Don't be good enough, you know, which most people, they, they just make sure they're good enough to fill whatever, like you know, they're 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 okay. Or to be good enough, just good enough. I don't want to. You know, like keep I don't want to ever settle for good enough. You know what I mean? I didn't do it with you. I don't have a daughter that's good enough. I don't have a ministry that's good enough. We strive for excellence. I'm looking for the best of the best. So if I'm I'm doing that with my own like things that are around me that I can have in my control, how much more should I do be doing that as a sacrifice to God? You know what I mean? Like we are all living sacrifices. What we do matters. This whole success thing has everything to do with the fact that at some mo- at some day we all have different days. Maybe a lot of us are going to go up in rapture because I'm I'm counting on that. Uh, but we're going to bring our works to the feet of Christ, and He's going to take it and He's going to burn it through the fire. And is it going to be good enough? Like, do do you want to present something that was well? I just barely scraped by. It was good enough. Or do you want to present something to God that was like, I poured my heart and soul into that. That's excellent. I gave myself for this purpose because it's what you have given for me to do. And it's not okay that I'm not the best of the best. And I feel like there's you and I have shared that common goal. It's like, it's not good enough to just have like a good ministry. We want the best of the best. We want this to be the best ministry it could be. And so uh, developing the gift, which I guess would, would take me to point five, but it's not in order. But when, when I say it's like... Point three today. Uh, yeah, it'll be point three today. Um, the success that you have experienced in the years gone by is not something that you should settle for. And it's not something that's going to have the ability to take you into the next level. And I feel like people start getting like, I've got 25 subscribers, hallelujah. They stay at 25 subscribers for 17 years instead of pushing it, instead of, or, or doing something different. And, and the fact is you can't do anything with, with the infrastructure or the system that you have for 20 employees, um, you can't take that same system of 20 employees and make it something that works for uh, empl- uh, em- employing 500 people. Do you know what I mean? No, explain. So like <clears throat> the way that we do things right now <coughs> works for the capacity we are running right now. In the future, we're going to have headquarters and we're going to have hundreds of employees. 
whether you like that or not. <laughs> I know you don't like that and you think that's overwhelming. I know that. However, the way we run our ship now is not going to be effective with the way we run our ship when there's 100 plus employees. Right. There's going to be certain things that we implement and grow in. It would be foolish of me to think that this way system of doing things is going to carry me into a system of, of increase or, or greater. It's foolish to think that way. So, so when I say increasing the capacity, it's, it's the fact that I am now going to be aware. And that's the thing, like I've heard uh, the, the guy, the comedian, not the comedian, he's the comic book illustrator, Wing Bigley. Oh, Scott Adams. Scott Adams. He was like, I won, he's like, I strived my entire life to get to this point, the, the uh, award for the best Cartoonist. Cartoonist. And he goes, and I finally met that goal. And uh, when I was there, it did not fulfill what I thought it would fulfill. So after the, the, great, the pinnacle of what he thought was success was the greatest demise because he went into deep depression. Because he was thinking, when I get to this point, it'll be worth it. I'll have everything I want. And then he came to realize, I have everything I want. I've got bukus of dollars in my bank account. I've got property everywhere. Why is this not fulfilling what I'm doing? And he ended up thinking like, because th there's not, success is in a point of arrival. It's just a flag. It's a sign. It's a signpost to say, you're, you're going in the right direction. Keep going. And I feel like with churches, wow, you have 150. Why, why hasn't there been increase? Because you thought 150 was the flagpost. You thought that that was the summit. When in reality, it was just a sign to take you into the next greater thing. That's true. And so it, there's always moving. And, and that's the thing. When, when I say to increase the capacity, increasing your faith for the greater. So when God tells you get a building and you don't get a building, you're screwed. You're totally screwed. So, so uh, when, when God, God tells doesn't you, make a second set of instructions for your unbelief and refusal to increase. And we, you ride, there's a, there's a powerful thing called momentum. Oh yeah. And if you lose, I've been in Hawaii and I've <coughs> shared this on the podcast. I, we did that lesson with pastor Max uh, surfing in Waikiki Beach. Yeah. I didn't want to. I'm not a great swimmer. Uh, but we did it anyway. Were there Sunday morning? Early yes. Sunday morning? Oh, yeah. With that beautiful Hawaiian. That's part of the reason why I did it. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, I will do that. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm following this instructor and he's telling me, this is what you do. If you, if you take that, once you see that wave coming, I want you to start treading the water and going for it. Because if you wait too long, you're going to miss the wave. And if you move too fast, it's going to like, you know, squash you and you'll be, you'll have a, a, a mouthful of sand. So there's a specific time where you start paddling and it's right when you see that the, the momentum of the wave come in and start to curl, right? So, and, and even the position of where you're at. So when you start treading the water, you go and it has the capacity, that wave has the capacity to take you all the way to the shore if right. you do it right. It also has the capacity of ruining your freaking life <laughs> and making you curl up like, you know, the O. The, the, the letter O. Break your spine. Break man. your spine. But most people think like, wow, this is all going so great. We're growing, we're going, we're going. And, and then they stop growing. 
That's scary to me. And the wave goes by. The wave goes by. The momentum freaking stops. And that is really difficult to get that momentum back. It takes years if you ever get that back. That's why I've never been afraid to get a building or anything because I'm more afraid to lose the momentum because I've seen other ministries do that. They just, you know, it's like it's like time to take the next step and they don't. They don't. And they just, uh, you know, I'm old enough now where when, when it happens at the time, I was just like, oh, whatever, you know, They're, they've just decided. It's like, what would happen if the Lord spoke to me to do this church and then I don't do it? See, what, what people don't realize is they think when the Lord opens a door to go forward, mm. they can just say, no, I'm not ready for that and stay where they are. But it's like Elijah in 1 Kings 17. The brook dried up. That's it. That's, the Lord was telling him to move forward. Boom. Because the current, the current thing had dried up. Life isn't static. You, mm. you never have the option to just stay where you are. You no. either increase or decrease. You're growing or you're dying. That's right. So, you know, it's like if I thought, well, no, you know, we have plenty of money coming in right now doing things the way we're doing. I don't need to purchase land in a building plus the other staff that'll entail. Let's just stay like it is right now. No. You lose what you have now. That's it. And that's the thing. Like, I, I'm a certified florist for the state of Massachusetts, if anybody this good. Does that never it expire? It doesn't expire. Really? It's yeah. a lifetime. Huh? I, think, I think, like, if you were going to, like, if I was to, like, um, go to You'd the florist, to I'd have to renew it. But anyway, <clears throat> it's none. I still consider it. So anyway, when, when you're pruning a tree, the reason why you prune the tree is because you want to tell that tree there's there's like um uh the, this like electrical impulses and systems in that plant that tell it to to begin to grow and so it grows and grows and grows but once it's full like it's a capacity it starts to die because the plant thinks it's done its job but pruning it makes it have those those like um things like like the signals or whatever it tells the plant to continue to grow so you cut back the leaves in order to keep that thing thinking that it still has a job. Huh? So that's what we do. When we increase our capacity, you're, you might even have to cut back some things to, to make room for the growth. The system that you had implemented for the, the, the structure of 20 employees, you got to make room. You got to make sacrifices to bring in the increase. And so that, that really coincides with you even continuing to be the best at your trade. What is out there that's the very best? That's how you increase your capacity. That's how you, you hone in on it because there's so much technology, technology available out in the world, but people stay dumb in their trade and they, they're not no, aware of what's you, out you know, there. I just had a thing pop up in my Twitter feed, the best microphones for podcasting. So I saw what the best one was and sent it to Nick, and they, they ordered it. This one's on the list, but it's not the, not the best one. You, just, you know, you keep everything excellent and, and keep. So you don't, because it doesn't take long before you walk into a church. And I'm sure when they opened it, the equipment was like state of the art, but not, now it's like a joke. No, it's a joke. And it, it, it's a mentality, because if you go after it, if you get yourself pointed in the direction of excellence, the Lord accommodates it because he likes excellence. So it's not, you know, you basically end up with two groups of people. One group, we, we'd like that, but it costs over $20,000. $20,000 isn't a lot to God. No, it, it, well, to say that God loves excellence is the biggest understatement of a lifetime. And it really ticks me off that I go into churches and it smells like cat urine. 
that, that there's ripped up rugs. When, when like, and, and you think that's acceptable, you think that's like the excellent work that you're showing to God, like that to me is, is of great offense. Because if we look at the Old Testament and we look at the actual like tabernacle housing the presence of God, oh, yeah. it was encrusted. It was like there was walls of gold. So people have this mentality that it's like just good enough. Well, God sees my heart. You, you know what I mean? And yeah, and a, a lot of them, a lot of them, it's even past that. It's not. It's not that well, you know we're trying and God sees my heart. It's that because they haven't received the the revelation on prosperity, they actually think it's they wouldn't think it was right for a church to look like excellent, ornate, beautiful. Yeah, because marble. it's like, we're, well, are we really supposed supposed to have money? Or they could have one board member that says like, we're, we're, so we're going to spend a hundred thousand on that. Meanwhile, we have people that can't even eat. You know, so if you have that kind of mentality among your leadership and people and you don't have, you don't understand excellence yourself, then you're going to accommodate like a, a poverty look. Sure. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all had one thing like in common. They had the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which took them straight to the top. Like people wanted to hear what they had to say. That's right. And so we as children of God, we're afforded that privilege and no one's tapping into it out of sheer laziness. Because we see the, the, the makers of Cirque du Soleil, they get high and they come out with these incredible programs because they're doing that psychedelic drug and they're, they're getting downloads from demonic forces about what, what to do and what to tap into and what. And we have the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation on the inside of us to make what we do great. Not only great, like the best of the best. Actually, what we, sh what we do in ministry, what we do as a, as a believer should be set the bar for the rest of the world. I agree. But that's not the case. No, and, it, and it's repulsive for a casino to take more care of their building th than something that's for God. Uh, so this is five keys to success, and I don't know what they are. They're, it's a Dallas's note, so I came to find out with you. Glad you joined us today. So there's the first three. What's number the, four? The fourth is to uh, see the success. What does that mean? You have to see it in order to become it. So in Jeremiah 24, the Lord spoke to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, figs, some very good and some very bad, too rotten to eat. Then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord God, the God of Israel says. The good figs represent the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over and care for them and I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me whole heartedly and then he goes on to talk about the the rotten fruit uh, and uh, the rotten figs and everything that you know that symbolizes but it's important for you to see things and then have uh, uh, an understanding of what it is that you see I for a very long time which only comes from the spirit of wisdom and revelation I for a very long time could see myself preach but there was not that in my real life so there was a seeing, but there was a disconnect from the actual doing. Right. Until I got serious with the Lord and understood uh, that there's a language to this whole thing. It's called the word of God. 
that there's a language to success. It's the word of God. It's understanding the word of God. Um, I could now take that vision and make it a reality. I feel too often people have a, a thought in their, in their mind about what they can be, but they give up on it because they don't see it manifest in, in, the, in, the, in the real world. And ultimately, the you seeing it is absolutely dire, but also coming to the understanding of how to implement these things, which is the whole point of the, 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 the word going to the word, like we were talking in the beginning. The reason we implement that is, is or the, the, the how-to of implementing those things is by the Holy Ghost. It's by the word of God. It's understanding I've got a call and the word of God says, I'm, a, I'm like a star that has to shine brighter and brighter until the coming of the Lord. So I have a purpose. I am purpose to become a success. That's the start. So now everything that I see myself in that really isn't responding to the natural, now I have the word to back it up. And now I'll ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do next? And it might be, <clears throat> I want you to start a devotional like it was with me because I didn't know how to, how to go about doing it. But I, he, the Holy Spirit said, write a devotional. Well, I'm seeing myself preach, but I'm not, I suck at it. So how does writing a devotional have anything to do with me preaching? It doesn't make any sense. But in that system, in that process, I learned how to formulate Your my thought, thoughts. Yeah. So for every day, for about like, uh, I think it was like 250 days straight, I was formulating, a, I had a scripture and I was formulating my thought process. There was a start, a middle, and an end, which at first I was like, I can tell you a message, but I don't know how to finish it. How I don't know how, how to wrap it up. How many more entries for that devotional book to be a full year? Uh, uh, I don't know. I have to ask Maddie. That one, <laughs> I just kind of like put on the, the shelf because of everything Any chance we could get it done like in November? To, oh, not to, a chance. To do it for the new year? I, I might be. I might be able to do it for the new year. I feel challenged. All right, keep going. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I did that, and then Rom comes knocking on the door and said, I read that, that blog. You should make that a video blog. And I was oh. like, get out of my house, bro. Come at me with a video blog. Absolutely not. He goes, I'm telling you, it can be low-key. It'll be great. We can get you on YouTube. And he made me do it. And so we did it. We did a devotional. And then Mags was on it. And then that led to uh, us sharing it on the broadcast that led me to you to you take a broadcast. And I was like, what the? So then I started taking the broadcast. Then I started having preaching engagements. And then it made sense to me. And the Lord has the line has of the progression because I asked him, what can I do? What is the next step? And although it seems stupid, although it seems small, it's a step. It's not a leap. It's not a jump of faith. No, it's that, a, that's ste it's a step up. of faith. I always get nervous. I heard Willie George say one time, faith is never a, a leap. It's putting one, one foot in front of the other on the path God shows you. So I was getting nervous when I hear people, and you can tell they're even nervous. Like, I'm just going to sell everything and go into the ministry. It's like, mm, it doesn't feel right the way that you have this like, anxiety and that it seems like this massive leap because it's like Smith Wigglesworth. You know, he was a plumber. Then stuff started opening up for him to share at his wife's uh, church that she attended where he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then it kept progressing from there. And so it's not like the Lord like takes you from being a florist to putting you on a stage with 10,000 people in front of you. Yeah. He, he, he builds you mm. line upon line, pre precept upon precept. So I like that. I thought from the title it meant something else, but when you say see the success, really it's like 
see the path that God has that takes you to your which success. Is that, which will always lead you to success. And that's the thing, like what God's called you to do might be different than what God's called us to do, but it always leads to success. Yeah, and God has a path, like the Bible says in Proverbs 4, mark out a straight path for your feet, then stay on the path and stay safe. So the Lord not only has your end destination, and that's where people get a disconnect, because when you get called by God to do something, he'll show you like what you're going to be doing one day. But then how you get from working at Banana Republic mm. to doing that That's powerful. is difficult. Yeah. Well, it's difficult to for your mind to understand. To understand, But right. then the same Lord that shows you the destination, according to Proverbs 4, will show you a, a path. straight path. Yes. And I like straight path Me because too. it shouldn't be, um, I worked at CVS, then the Lord called me to be in the ministry, so I went to Bible college Mm-mm. like like he called me, Mm-mm. and then I went back to work at um, the Gap. But I quit that job because I felt God co- told me to quit that yeah. job. The, everything, like how you just mapped mm-hmm. out, yeah, everything led to a bigger thing. Exactly. And that's how you know that God's in it. Because if God isn't, and that's, that, that's a humbling experience for a lot of people, but they don't want to really come to that uh, like realization Which is that they missed it. Oh, yeah. That whoops, that wasn't that wasn't God. Because if you say, Thou says the Lord, that I shall then there there better be fruit to that. And if there isn't fruit and in fact you're seeing like problems come about, why not just go ahead and say, Oh, I, I might have missed it. I felt God tell me to quit my job. God's never gonna tell you to quit your job if you don't have another one set. You stay there because the Bible says he can't bless anything else but the, the work of your hand. No, that's true. It, so, it's weird when people say that the Lord just told them to like stop something, but yeah. there, there's nothing else. With it where there's nothing else. Yeah. Lord just told me to quit my job and trust him. No. Just to stop? No, he didn't. To be stagnant? Even for a second, God, that wasn't God. And so if, to, to come to that understanding takes a, a meek and humble spirit because there's lots of people that said, well, if God didn't call me to do this, then I guess I don't hear from God. And then they leave the faith. Right. Or this didn't work out for me, and then they're jaded and they're bitter. Now figure out and where they, you missed it. And they hate the success of other people and are trying actually to make other people do it their way and see the Which the like ninety percent of those people that do those type of YouTube videos attacking other ministries, you can tell they're people that completed Bible college, nothing ever took off for them. So they just hate Joel Osteen and Kenneth Cope and every they hate everybody. Yeah, because they're successful. And, 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 and they're not. And they're not. So, see you know, see, see it. And so the, I just, I, I read that scripture in Jeremiah because it just interests me that God said, what do you see? Like he, he wants to know what, what are you seeing on the day to day? Even when, when uh, Abraham got up on, he's like, do you like see, go and see as far as your eye can see. Uh, uh, that's, that's the, the land that I've given you. Right. There takes like an understanding, a seeing with your spirit eyes, what it is that God's gifted you with and what you're going to do that nobody can talk you out of it, mm. which leads me to point number what? Five. Five. Um, which is four on your notes. Which is four on my notes. Be determined. That's be a gr- determined that's a great one. to succeed. Because if you are going to be like the average Christian, if it doesn't work out in the first 15 minutes, you give up and quit. And so this determination and, and being like, you know, steadfast, you know, being uh, unsh- unshaken about the circumstances that are happening at the very present moment. It's interesting when, when we drove by that place many years ago and I said, we're going to have that, we're going to have a, 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 our headquarters are going to be over that hill. I don't know what, what I was pointing at 
or uh, if there was even land over there. And I said, we're going to have lots of people like work for us. And, and at that time, you didn't see that. But I didn't, I wasn't like, well, I guess he doesn't see it. I guess it's never going to happen. I, w- I was determined to see that thing come through because I knew the capacity that you had. And I knew that this wasn't going to be just your mom and pop ministry, that this was going to be the likes of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham doesn't have one person employed. Okay, I saw the Joshua Generation and that thing, uh, uh, like only that one program is like a $12 million project each year. Just one project. So I I was thinking to myself, I I don't see that. But you can have people come in and give their two cents and try to persuade you into doing it their way. And they're not even seeing success. You have to be so steadfast and determined that what God's told you to do, that's exactly what you're going to become. And, and you're not going to take anything else. And, and sadly, there are so many people in Bible school that leave Bible school and they're staunch set on being an evangelist. And all of a sudden they're working at Home Depot because they settled. They didn't go after it and they weren't determined enough to say, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I don't eat another day. If I have to fast every single day and I'm not making money, I'm going to the street corner like it was with A.E. and Carlene Shuttlesworth. Right. They didn't have a place to preach, so they just took it to the streets and she played her accordion and he preached the word. That's right. So you have to be dead set on, on this kind of success. And, and, and you don't find that often in the body of Christ. No. Because they blame God. Well, I guess he didn't want it for me because it wasn't thrown on my lap. And then you have these hustlers out there in the world making it happen because they believed in themselves. They were determined enough to see it come through. Take, take this uh, King James Bible and look up Deuteronomy 2.24 and, and read it because it, it'll, it'll be perfect for what you brought up where people, if, it, if it's not dropped in their lap, they think if God said he's going to give you something that it just, it just falls in your lap. But Deuteronomy 2.24 is an interesting scripture. It says, rise, take your journey and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his land. Begin- wait, 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 stop there. I, read that part again. I, I have given- This is God speaking to Moses. I've given you- what, Into what your you hand, Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his land. And his land. I've given you him and I've given you his land, but it doesn't end there. What's the last part? Uh... Mm. begin to possess it and engage him in battle. Engage him in battle and begin to possess it. So that's how things work with God. God gives you something. <laughs> See, it's yours. Just like I, I'm giving you the land of the Canaanites, but you got to drive all the giants out of the land. Mm. So that's where people are confused because they think if God gives you something, then you just have it. I've, I've already given you that. Now engage, now fight him and take his land. I'm giving you the green light, but you have to go get it. So there's giants in every man's promised land. And that's why, you know, when you hear people all the time talk about, I felt called to do this, but then my uncle told me, or my, my dad told me, or my mom told me. Why did they know about it? Uh, yeah. You know, no one can talk you out of something they don't know you're doing. So we announced we, had, we bought a church after everything was signed and could not be backed out on. Mm. I didn't need somebody uh, that owned the land that we bought finding out I do check the news. They don't agree. They hate the, what I stand for. And so they pull it. And then to this day, 
We haven't announced the address of the church. We've given you general information where the church is going to be because I don't need somebody on the town council that's a devil that understands I'm connected to that purchase. That's it. So the less people know, the less, the less opposing opinions you have to deal with. One thing you learn from the life of Joseph is when the Lord reveals something to you, keep it to yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> even your own brothers uh, might, might not. It, might, it makes people angry. People, people get angry at somebody that has a vision and a goal that's lofty. There's almost nobody. Look at David. When he made up his mind, he was going to fight Goliath. There was not one person that said, good job, man. We're really glad you're going to help deliver us from this guy. It was all, who do you think you are? Uh, you can't beat him. He's been fighting since he was your age. So just keep things to yourself. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who treasured these things in her heart. That, that's what you do. Then just do it. Like we're just going to open a church. I didn't run it by anybody. What do you think I should? You know, I mean, there'd have been tons of people. Well, you know, in this economy with Biden, now's not really a good time to be buying land. And then, plus, there's a material shortage right now. So you would just get everything in the natural. But God doesn't operate in the natural. God operates in the spirit. And then in the spirit, he brings it out to bear in the natural. So you listen to him, and God has a way to bring it to pass. Great five points. I want everybody that has a dream from God, I'm going to have Adonis pray for you. And that God would show you the next step forward. Or maybe there's something that you, um, you've let fall by the wayside that you need to pick up and begin to do it again. So I'm going to have a Adonis pray for you. If you're at a place where you can lift your hands, by that I mean not you know, flying a plane or something like that, lift both hands. And I want you to allow the Lord to minister to you as she prays. Go ahead. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that's watching. And I thank you that by your wonderful spirit, you would direct them in the way that they should go. Like you did it with me, like you did it with Jonathan. Everything seemed effortless in this road to increase. And Father, I pray that the same favor and grace that you've placed upon us in our ministry would be given to each individual tuned in today. In the name of Jesus, I command that cloud of fogginess and confusion to leave your mind and for clarity to come in so that you know with certainty the next step that is supposed to be taken in this road to success. Father, I thank you that you've called us to increase every single day. We are to be a light that shines brighter and brighter until the coming of the Lord. And Father, we, we make that declaration today that everything we touch our hand or, or give ourselves to do, I thank you, Father God, that it flourishes, that it blooms, that it blossoms, and that no man can take the credit for it, Father. As we do our due diligence in implementing the word of God with these five steps every single day. I thank you, Father God, that you will bless the work of our hands and see to it that our path leads us to overwhelming success. Every enemy in the way, everything assigned to your assignment, in the name of Jesus, I command it to be frustrated. I command it to be dropped off of your uh, uh, life in the name of Jesus. And Father, for every person that's watching, 
and has something in their body that's not having them be able to really go after this call that you have placed on the inside of them. I command your body to be made new even now in the name of Jesus. Let the grace of God overwhelm you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for increase, promotion, and perpetual open doors in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you're uh, watching today, I want to share something very important. We're going to go on national television in the United States and Canada. And then if you would, guys, find out what other nations I'm going on in tomorrow. But this is, uh, you can put that graphic up. This is Daystar, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And the title of the program is, How Religious Exemption... Should a Christian support mandatory vaccination? There's a lot of faith leaders telling people that they, they need to get vaccinated and they need to, uh, you're wrong to say that you have a religious exemption. I'm going to examine it on that program and you're not going to want to miss it. So if you would, help me spread the word on social media and uh, that's 9 p.m. tomorrow. That's nice, Cynthia. Cynthia said the excellence is heard in your teaching. So awesome. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words, everybody. It's nice seeing that DOS back on. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow. And anyone that does $1,000 or more to help us go on, uh, to stand with us as we go on national television, I'm going to send you my Uncle Ted's new book, which you need to get. The Camels Are Coming. Introduction to the Gifts of the Spirit, Volume 1. And most of you know my Uncle Ted, who wrote that book. It's, gonna, it's worth reading. Uh, and then our Revival Today, Kingdom Builder Bible. I'll send you both for anyone who sows a 1,000 or more. If you do any size gift, I'll send you my uncle's book, which this will be a life changer. The camels are coming. So I'll thank you in advance for your generosity as you sow. Here are the ways to give. Nice to have you watching in Nairobi, Kenya. And I saw Slovakia on here. Whatever nation you're from, we love you. On Facebook, in the comments, you can do hashtag donate. And then the amount, very easy. Do that right in the comments. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app is dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. You can always just go to our website. Very easy, RevivalToday.com and click the Give Now button and that has all the ways to give right there. If you would like to join the masses who have begun to give to our ministry via cryptocurrency, which I'd like to say thank you. You guys are right on the cutting edge. Just, oh, South Africa, Lee, that's great. I love it there. Scan that QR code. Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin, and all the other ones. If you want to mail it, make it out to Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you want to speak to a human being, you can call right now, 412-446-2332. If you're international, obviously, plus one, 412-446-2332. And then however you give, don't forget to go to RevivalToday.com, claim my offer. 
because that ensures we get your name and address so we can send you what we said we're going to send you. More people from South Africa. Ishmael Kaduza, nice to have you. Everybody wishing you happy birthday, Dallas. Thank you. Appreciate happy, it. Happy birthday. Thanks. I love you. Love you. 27. 37, right? Congratulations. Thanks, bud. It's also Magas' birthday. It's also my sister's birthday, Jessica Giswaldi. 38, October 20th, 1983, and the twins are October 20th, 1984. The Lord knows I had trouble remembering people's birthdays, so he put basically everybody in my life on the same birthday. Pretty much. Um, Ms. Green's giving you an order for your birthday. Turn up for your birthday. A what? Turn up for your birthday. Okay, thank you. I will, Miss Green. I'm going to turn up. Turn up, turn up. That's Sa Sasha's from Slovakia. She says happy birthday. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Gracias, love you, gracias. Love you, Christy, in Hawaii. Good job navigating through this whole pa pandemic. Ah, Louisville. Love you guys there. Jennifer Reyes. Pastor Tom Apley from Foundation Church in Florida. Wish you a happy birthday. Uh, love you, man of God. Very much. You're my hero. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for standing with us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Have a great day. I will see you on Check the News tonight. Of course, you got Miss Maddie Ortiz on at 4 p.m. For myself and everybody here, have a great day. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.